Yes. And Krishna Mila with the gopis. What's <clears throat> what's the difference between what's the term that's calm and praying for the gopis? What's the difference between calm and praying for the gopis? The difference between calm, kama means desire, and it's often translated as lust, um, which is a desire, I mean, to lust for something. Um, lust also has a sexual connotation that it's more readily associated with, and, and the sexual uh, drive is obviously very central to human existence, and um, it's probably the one drive that things are moving around more than any other. What is it? Maitunya um, Bhav. Maitunya but, but what is the verse? Pumsastri omitunya bhavamaitu. Pumsastri omitunya bhavamaitu. So Maitunya Bhav or Purusha Bhav. Pumsastriya means the opposites. Pumsastriya and the the, the force that binds them is called in this verse Maitunya Bhav. Maitunya means it's not pretty. Ball and chain. <laughs> Maitunya Bhav. <laughs> Shackles. Like the old time you know, prisoners um, would have. So the world is chained by this attraction. Um, and um, and so Sometimes the word calm then is, is um, and often more readily, refers to the central desire that, in one sense, is making the whole world desires go round. So calm. Calm makes the world go round. Mm-hmm. And um, praying, of course, is really the... Uh, antithesis of calm. Um, it is said in Chaitanya Charitamrita that that praying calm is Indriya Priti Vansha, the desire Vansha for Indriya Priti. Indriya means the senses and Priti means love. The desire to please the senses, that is calm. And Krishna Indriya Priti the desire to please Krishna's senses, that is praying. I was speaking with Dasi earlier, <laughs> and um, I said, you know, maybe it seems like I don't like you, but it's not true. And uh, I said, I'm always very busy for serving Krishna. She asked why. I said, because that would please all of the devotees here. And then I gave a simple example, of course, that um, if you want to please all the flowers and fruits on a tree, then where will you pour the water? You pour it down, which is in the opposite direction of where they are. They may complain. Mm-hmm. You're not, can't don't care about me. <laughs> and, and I said, no, no, I do, I'm pouring. But I'm up here, you're pouring down there. Mm-hmm. You're finished pouring and still I'm not satisfied. I said, so it takes a little time, but pleasing Krishna will please all of us. We don't know that we're connected to the root and 
watering the root of the tree nourishes all the branches, the fruits, the flowers, and so forth. So, um, she got it, I think, uh, <laughs> on some level. <clears throat> so, pleasing the senses of Krishna, this is bring in our own desires, really pursuing or um, yeah, pursuing uh, slavering, slaving under the demands of our own minds and desires. That's calm and it creates the calm a certain false sense of identity that, that no we're not here to satisfy that false sense of identity but a higher sense of identity through um, watering the root of the tree uh, pleasing the senses of Krishna so the difference between praying and calm is like the difference between Noon and the dark moon night. They are very much opposites. Mm-hmm. That said, the gopi's love for Krishna is sometimes called Kamaruga or um, Kamrupa. Kamarupa is the form of Kama. It takes the form group of Kam. And Kam Anuga means those who follow in the wake of the gopis' love and example. They follow the, this, this form in which the love is expressed. In the form of Kam, that means, um, in one sense, in appearance. And obviously, our ideal is ineffable. It's uh, that from which words return, mind returns, language can't do justice to, and so forth. Um, Nonetheless, that doesn't mean we should be silent, but that there aren't enough words to try to explain that um, experience. Thus we have many texts and many sadhus speaking and writing and so forth about, about that trying to do uh, justice to it. And as I've said before, those words, those explanations have power. Hmm? They are the words of those who have experience of that which transcends words and thought and are trying to put that into words and thought in a world where that is the, uh, the medium. Hmm? To arrange it that in a logical kind of explanation and so on and so forth. So those explanations, those descriptions of the Leela, they have a power hmm, to, to, to transport us from our present situation, slaves of the senses and mind, into a world where um, the pleasure of Krishna's senses is the center of everyone's life. And then, having gone there, you will experience a reality that is is many times more wonderful than the words themselves that can't do justice to it but should not be dismissed given, again, where they're coming from. Empowered persons trying to explain um, the experience of praying of bhava.
and so forth. I mean, love itself. How do you? How do you? I mean, just to give a simple material example, if someone says, "Mommy, what is love?" Um, that's a hard question to answer. What can you say about it hmm? that will equal her first experience or his first experience of being smitten and fallen in love? There's nothing you can say to explain what that's like. Hmm? But when you become infatuated with someone for the first time, it's like it's like your whole existence is turned upside down, inside out, and and you want to jump, and, and, you, and you don't want to say anything, you want to say everything, you don't know what to say, <laughs> you don't know what to do. Hmm? So, <laughs> so, what can what can a mother or father say to a child who asks, you know, mommy, daddy, what what is love? But you, you might try, hmm? um, and um, and then when they experience it, they can, they can reflect back on the descriptions and see how they were kind of talking about it and, and so forth. But it's, but it's more than that. It's more than what. You know, uh, there's an old song, but the words got in the way. Um, you know, I, something like that. I wanted to say I love you, but the words got in the way. So, um, <laughs> so such, just to give an example, such is the nature of the experience of Krishna Lila. I mean, the devotees and praying, praying, that um, the, the, the Lila is moving around. Um, the Goswamis have tried to explain it in relation to other possibilities in transcendence, like to merge into Brahman, for example. Um, and they have said that it's, that's insignificant in comparison. If you were to take the bliss of the praying and multiply it, uh, the, the bliss of, uh, of praying multiplied a million, trillion fold, one particle of it, would uh, uh, um, exceed a trillion fold the entirety of the bliss of Brahman. You know, I mean, it, it, how can you measure these things? But, but they're, they're trying to make a point hmm, that um, a, a love-based um, approach to the Absolute uh, affords more uh, transcendental ecstasy than a knowledge-based one. I've given the simple example and many times, which is preferable, to love to exist or to exist to love. This, it's a huge difference. So it's a way of saying what Rupa Goswami is saying when he says, the bliss of praying is a trillion fold you know, greater than, than Brahman. Hmm? Uh, if you're sitting alone and you become satisfied within yourself, it's one thing, but then to interact with another, hmm? it's complicated, but some potential is there that doesn't exist unto oneself. The object of love in the world is the self. We don't love our mother, we don't love our father, we don't love our son. We love the self. It projects itself into another, hmm? uh, into a possession, a car, a house, we love it. Hmm? Because we're inside of it, so to speak. <laughs> That's what's lovable. Matter is not really the object of love. It's just it's inert. You have to love something inert. 
um, it's meaningful. You're loving yourself that you've identified, through which you've identified with a thing, but without that identification. So, so therefore, the, the, the self is the object of love in this world. But here, if we move from this, if we realize this, we become Atmananda, joyful in the self, without any need for, for anything else. Hmm? That certainly transcends the happiness of the world. But if we go further and, um, and interact with the Absolute in a way that you cannot interact with Brahman, which is undifferentiated, it's just undifferentiated consciousness. There's no differentiation there between you and me or me and Brahman. Hmm? Um, so from Atmananda to Brahmananda, hmm? there's there's no there's no experience of any of any other. And others are problems, so it's blissful in that sense. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, we we think others will solve our our problems, and in one sense, we're right. Krishna is, is a significant, transcendent other. He is then the face of the Absolute that is differentiated and thus lends to talking about, describing in ways that you can't say anything about Brahman. Hmm? You could say what it's not. But about Krishna, you, you, you can say something. Hmm? It doesn't do justice to everything that he's about, but it's the form of the Absolute in which the Absolute is, well, in the Upanishads, the Brahman, in the Taitare Upanishad, in the, in the, in the um, um, Anandavali, the chapter about Ananda, there it is mentioned, Rasu Brahman is Rasa. It's a special idea of Brahman that implies reciprocal dealings are possible with the Absolute in the way that they're not with undifferentiated Brahman. Hmm? And so, you can understand but this kind of argument, if you will, or discussion that hmm, there's some capacity for um, uh, enhancing uh, one's ecstasy in relation to another. The other prob- Here the problem is well, you know what the problem is. The others are here today and, and gone tomorrow. And so are our sense of self. So it's like, well, what happened? And people change. So we love one another, and then they change, and their senses go one way, and their mind goes another way, and yours too. And, and the magic's gone. And then we look for the magic somewhere else. One day we realize it was only magic, it's not real. I'm real. Hmm? My reading of the world through the senses and the mind is is filtered and not accurate. And from good guidance and sacred texts, I can get different eyes. So we say Shastra Chakshu, the eyes through this through revelation, we to guide us. But knowing our own eyes are faulty, and so it goes with all the senses and so forth. And through that gradually we become acquainted with the self theoretically and then experientially. And that in the context of pursuing a relationship with the face of the Absolute that is full in terms of capacity to reciprocate. That's what it means, what Rasa Raj means. Raj means the king, so the king of Rasa, of taste. 
This is was Krishna. So, um, how will we describe that? Um, we are, to some extent, but um, it has been termed, as I mentioned earlier, Kamarupa. So, something that takes the form of Kama, but it's not Kama. It looks like Kama, but, it, but it's not. There's a, only thing wrong with Kama is that it's self-centered. If it was not self-centered, then uh, you take that out, so to speak. Um, let's give another example. If you have a, sur- a, a cobra, then you don't want to get too close. Right? But if you take the fangs out of the cobra, then there's, there's no problem. It can still do its thing. It can. It can even. You know, I wouldn't do it, but you know, you have to see people wrapped around them, and so on and so forth, and uh, and it's harmless. Hmm. Um, and you have that kind of confidence. So the senses, then they're like like poisonous, if you will. But if they if if their attraction to sense objects, which is calm, can be conquered over. Hmm, then you don't have to get rid of your senses. The problem with them is that now you have another set of senses to satisfy Krishna's senses, the differentiated absolute. Means What it means is all the things that we do with our senses have an application in relation to the absolute. So unlimited color unlimited form, unlimited sound. I mean, what, what here we do, you know, we, we, of course it's devotional music, but, you know, we, music is, is, is very attractive and can capture the ear and the mind and, and stir emotions and so forth. Um, but it, all the music of the world, it's just, it's just this, what can this ear do justice to what sound is? Hmm? There's really only one sound, it's the sound of God, and it's being played out in different ways. Hmm? But the ear can't do justice to it unto itself. The soul can hear. The ear is an instrument that limits the soul's capacity to, to experience. So we, even, even we say, the, the, this, this, this what I'm pulling on my ear is not my, my sense, materially speaking. From the yogic perspective, the senses are actually, these are just the outer expression of what are called senses that exist in the subtle body. Hmm? So the senses exist in the subtle body. These are just, as I say, outer packaging or forms of them. What do we we see? And we take it to another level, then, what activates the subtle body, subtle matter, is consciousness itself. Subtle matter has this distinction between itself and gross matter, in that it has the capacity to reflect consciousness. So if consciousness reflects upon it, so to speak, it reflects and starts to act like consciousness does. So the mind, the subtle body, there are feelings there. It's, re- it's acting like consciousness does. Hmm? But unto itself it can't do that. But having been gathered reflective light from consciousness. So it tells us something about consciousness. Right? If the subtle body 
is the, is the medium through which consciousness kind of experiences gross physical matter. And therefore the subtle matter has some kind of experiential sense of or quality, quasi-experiential. Well, where is it getting it from? From consciousness. Therefore consciousness must have some experiential uh, capacity hmm? that exceeds the experiential capacity and emotional life of the of the, of the mind and, uh, and and senses. It tells us, in other words, by looking at the uh, gross and subtle material self, we're going to know something about what the actual self is. So it's not just a non-experiential or just just kind of what is stillness um, for example in comparison to all the things that are moving us if someone could make an argument it sounds philosophically good but I don't want to go there anyway I want to you know have some even momentary experience of of love even if it will you know crash then 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 at all something like that but that argument doesn't hold in relation to bhakti. As bhakti is saying, the whole emotional and feeling experience of material reality is derived from consciousness itself, from from the atma's capacity. So what must the potential of the atma be? It must have the potential to have all those experiences without the problems. That, uh, that we, we experience it at, at present. Hmm? So it, we want spiritual life, not just the death of material life, but spiritual life <laughs> in all that it means. So what, what is the world like? Hmm? Well, if, if, if it, it, it constitutes consciousness reflecting on matter, then you know, we have the old adage that men and women are made in the image of Radha and Krishna, as it goes. <laughs> Updated a little bit. Um, something like that. Um, so the, the world here, uh, I, I mentioned it before, Bhakti Notako uses the term near darshan. Uh, darshan means to have the experience of, of, the, of, the, of the transcendent reality. Um, near darshan means like a semblance of it we do in sadhana, sadhana, a semblance of it, something like that. That's why the words, again, describe it, when they don't do full justice to it, they're powerful. It's like, a, it gives a near darshan. Not N-E-I-R, any, but N-I-R, anybody, you understand what I mean? Near darshan, semblance of the darshan. It has value, it has power. I give you an impression, some semblance of the experience. It's going to carry carry you. It's hard to get away from just got a beautiful email from Kishore Krishna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to, you know, I can't stay outside. <laughs> no meaning for it out here. Mm-hmm. Completely, you know, right. and my life is only in relation to your service. It's going to be so rocky as I advise them. So. Anyway, so it's hard to get away from <laughs> We try here, we go there. Even here, we try to get away from it. So. <laughs> That's the idea to try to corner us, right? Make it, make it difficult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the point I'm making here is that is it, 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 that there is 
a there are transcendent emotions. What are they like? You say, well, you know, it's not like anything human culture has to transcend human culture. Yeah, it transcends human cultural differences, but what's it like? Some totally unfamiliar thing? Why would that be the case? How, how does that make any sense? Hmm? You understand? They were Krishna's described as being human-like. So Kam is human, but he's human-like. Therefore, Krishna Lila is also called Kambijaya. Because Rasa Lila, where Krishna meets with the gopis in the full moon night, so forth, the center of the Bhagavatam, this looks like, holy cow, Cupid's got a total setup here. It's the full harvest moon, and, um, and young, attractive, Guy, and all these, he, he plays a flute, attractive. All these young girls come. It's like a piece of cake. It's almost like it already happened. Cupid said, Why did I bother to show up? <laughs> <laughs> he has his arrows, Pushpanya, Pushpanaya, Pushpanaya, Pushpabanaya, Pushpabanaya, come. Uh, you know, uh, taste, touch, smell. See, calm in the uh, in a, using it in a, in a, to describe the, the center again, central desire around which the world moves. The, 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 the attraction between the male and the female is this, this calm. It it can engage all the senses at the same time. Hmm? It, is, it has the power to something to consume all the senses. So you know, they put mirrors on the ceilings and things like. You know. <laughs> 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 and they have the right and play the right kind of music. <laughs> all kind of. So uh, so here, here, Cupid, he's got like these five arrows, right? Hmm? So he's there to shoot them and, and cause this attraction of lust. And he comes and it's like a setup here. But Krishna is Madan Mohan. He's Kamadevaya. Kamadevaya Vidmahe. So we pray. May I know the Kamadev? Kam means Cupid. To personify. And Dev means God. So he's the transcendental Cupid. If there's a Cupid, right, then there must be a transcendental Cupid. Or how, how can there be a material Cupid if there's not a transcendental Cupid? If it's not represented in reality, if it's not present in rea- reality, how can it be represented in, in the reflection of reality, material existence? Right? It's not in the original. So in some shape, it will be there. The basic idea is it's turned backwards, self-centered, rather than Krishna-centered, material world, spiritual world. So we start to blur the lines between material and spiritual. Often it's thought that, uh, meanwhile we're making a clear distinction. Hmm? They look similar, but they're, but they're worlds apart. Instead of this idea that the spiritual world can look, the spiritual life can look and appear nothing like material life, 
have no resemblance to it whatsoever. And we can't say much about it. It's kind of this spiritual means space. (laughs) Infinite space and void. Something like that. Some people think like that. But this is um, something kind of like pass through uh, to get to the other side. Something like that. Uh, um, So... So, we, in a sense, we blur the lines. Now, there, we have every reason to think that the, that, the, that the life, if you will, of the Godhead in Leela has similarities to what our everyday life is like. I said before, and often, that the world is really run by Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, servitude, friendship, parental love, romantic love. That's what's making the world go round. We can think it's electromagnetism and gravity and these, you know, but there are other forces at, at play, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Goswamis are saying, these are the forces that run the world. And they have their full application in transcendence when they're centered on the absolute, and so the, therefore the Goswamis have described the absolute in a way that corresponds with, with, with someone, a center, an object of love that you could be a friend of, that you could be a lover of, that you could be a parent of, for example. That's hmm? a fascinating idea, and suddenly, like the spiritual life starts to come down to earth. Even while it's entirely different, it's, 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 it's the same. And, you know, to be a little Buddhist about it, uh, samsara is nirvana. <laughs> if you just take the fangs out. <laughs> just a you know, slight adjustment. You know. The, I've said before, the building is fine, no problem with that. We just need to change the foundation. Okay. <laughs> Well, that requires uh, do some work to jack it up. And, uh, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but we don't need to tear down the building. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to, to jack it up and, to, and put a new foundation in and, and so forth. And the foundation is the satisfaction of Krishna's senses, mm-hmm. which constitutes selflessness on our part, which results in a full experience of the self's potential. To be all that it, it can be, to be a lover, hmm? in the full sense of the term. So there's a difference between calm and praying, but um, there's a likeness, and the likeness is part of the description. Also, again, the, the driving force of the world. Um, if you, if a young boy falls in love with a young girl, and you say. Oh, she's not good for you. He's not good for you. I mean, it's bad. And then you, you you try to put an obstacle in front of it. You're just going to inflame it that much more. So this kind of bhakti, you try to put an ob some some. It's it's ahoituki, apratihata. It has it, it has no driving force outside of itself. Nothing can drive it but itself. Unmotivated means there's no other driving force to it. 
bhakti begets bhakti and it's un, it's you know, can't interrupt it. Hmm? If you try to interrupt it, it only it'll only increase it. Hmm? Um, so uh, so material attraction in man and woman, for example, it, it, it's like that. It's a good example. Now, if you want to know what prem is, um, uh, just like uh, lavender and Dasi, you know, she loves Dasi, she thinks about her all the time. How you feel about her? You, now, you try to imagine if you felt like that about Krishna, or if you felt like you do about any person, or any of you that you loved in the world about Krishna. That's what bhakti is. Hmm. Something like that. That how, how easy it is to do... <laughs> In other words, if you feel like that about someone, it's so easy to do. Not, there is no burden. Everything is just, yeah, it's, it's the burden of love. It's unnoticed. Hmm? Of course, to get there, do we need education with Krishna? We need to develop faith and a little bit of, little bit of experience. helps to cement that faith and build on it. So, but this is the, not something you can just do right away, but this is help us understand um, in theory, what it's like to love Krishna and how bhakti becomes just—it just becomes one's nature, rather than in sadhana bhakti, it's something I'm practicing. You can't really practice love, <laughs> but we do things that attra- that are said to attract Krishna. That people who are attracted to Krishna do. So we go, oh, I'll do that. Like little kid does it. <laughs> chance like that. <laughs> Something like that. And this is what Sadhana Bhakti is. It's kind of imitation of a good thing. It's a good thing. Hmm? Um, within limits. And we don't we imitate some things that, 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 that they do that we can't do. Uh, and there's a certain practice. So they, they are they, the guides, our guides, to set an example how we should act and so forth. And this is sadhana bhakti. So sadhana bhakti turns into bhava bhakti and then all of a sudden you're doing the things out of real feeling and emotion. Hmm? Uh, of course, other feelings will be cleansed away, other desires and the taste will come. So it's a gradual development as we know. But, but, um, but, there's a, there's a similarity, while there's a difference, and so the word kam is used kamanup kamrupa, takes the form of like kam, and um, and it gopis love. It also means it knows no reason. Hmm? It's beyond calculation why I should do. Uh, and and Krishna is called again kam bijai kamadevai. He's the god, the transcendental cupid. And so when Cupid comes, he thinks this is set up in the Rasalila, no problem to attract Krishna and the gopis here, and he meets a superior archer. So Krishna is called Govindadev Pushpabanaya. He has a bow and an arrow, and he can attract all of our senses. I mean, what could be a better and more comprehensive approach to spiritual life if the senses 
and their attraction sense objects is the whole problem of our material existence. What could be a better solution to that problem than bringing our senses in touch with Krishna, who can be served through the medium of all the senses? Hmm? Instead of like, okay, senses are a problem, uh, instead of looking at the beautiful form of Krishna, I look and stare at a white wall for eight hours a day and try to stop thinking. <laughs> this is a much more friendly approach. And not only is it more friendly, but it takes into consideration, as I'm explaining, the nature of transcendence, what it must be like if our material life is a shadow of it or a reflection of it. Hmm? Um, so, he defeats the Cupid. Hmm? Shiva tried to defeat Cupid. Shiva was meditating. Cupid came and thought, okay, get this guy. And try to shoot him with an arrow. Hmm? His senses are controlled. He's meditating, naked, wearing only ashes in the Himalayas. Hmm? Cupid comes and he, he wakes, breaks the meditation of Shiva. And Shiva looks at him with his eyes and burns, burns him to his body with his anger. Hmm? Burns Cupid. Extinguishes him right there on the spot. And what has he done? He just made Cupid invisible. Oh, so Cupid is called Ananga. Ananga means limbs. Ananga can't see. Hmm. Means because just trying to get away from him hmm, by suppressing the senses. That won't work. What does Krishna say about repressing the senses in the Gita? This is an incomplete approach. It'll rise again. Psychologically, we could talk about that. I'll give an example. What will repression accomplish? Now, repression and control through wisdom and sadhana are, are different things, and we have to, you know, we want to um, practice what's perfect. So, we have to find a balance. Should we be a householder? Should we be a monk? And, and so forth. And so on. Uh, the statement of the Gita, what will repression accomplish? It's not an excuse to just kick back. Uh, what will repression accomplish? If Krishna wants me to be Krishna conscious, I guess I'll become Krishna conscious. Pass the beer. <laughs> no, yeah, to abuse. But, um, um, and again, full application of the senses. You like music? Well, we have instruments. We have so many songs. You, you, you like to shop? Shop with the deities. <laughs> well, you drop. You like to grow, build, you know, all these things. See how friendly it is. It all can be done for Krishna. So there's no repression. You want to be a householder? If you want to do Astanga Yoga, read the Yoga Sutras. Read the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. You have to be celibate. Okay? Close down all the oaks. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> Didn't read that part. <laughs> One of the, you know, Yama Niyama, the uh, Brahmachari, of course they have their you know, fancy interpretations of it these days. But, but uh, that isn't an anga of bhakti. So, there are many great householders who are great devotees. Sri Vastakura, Great Acharya. Hmm? Shiva himself was household. He's also a devotee. That's the other side of Shiva, of course. Um, Brahma, and so on. So, that's the power of bhakti. That it doesn't have any requirements. 
other than faith in itself, in its own efficacy. And it will qualify you in ways that you could never qualify yourself otherwise. So Krishna defeats Kama for the Rasalila. Another name for the Rasalila is Kamvijaya, victory over Kama, complete victory over Kama. The material Cupid has been replaced with the transcendental Cupid. In other words, Cupid is actually defeated, if you will, when our senses are not closed off, but they're engaged in Krishna's service. And that is praying as opposed to calm. And you, you've got this in-between, right? There's, there's, the, there's the calm, pursuing the objects of the senses, and then there's the praying, pursuing the pleasure of Krishna's senses. And then there's this in-between idea of stopping the senses altogether. Um, and obviously they're stopped. The enjoying, exploiting tendency blindness is obviously overcome when it's converted to serving. If you just want to stop exploiting, okay, then that's one thing. But if you're going to serve, obviously the exploitation is, is finished, and something else is there. It's very, very powerful and very positive. So, there's many examples in the Bhagavatam of persons not engaged in bhakti, trying to control the senses, like you know the story of Subhari Muni, who's meditating underwater for thousands of years. But he got agitated by seeing two fish mate. <laughs> All stories there. So these stories are there for a reason. They, you know, he's playing out these points. And then you have the Ambarish Maharaj, who is serving the deity and doing all the forms of bhakti, hearing, chanting, remembering, archam, vandanam, dasyam. He's doing it all at the same time. And the sage, Durvas, came. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> was uh, upset with him, and, you know. But he was unhappy with his happiness. <laughs> he was celibate and, and fasting and, and, and whatnot. And he ended up making all and making an offense to Ambarish. Stories that he came and, and, and it was a codice and he, he came with his entourage and King Ambarish and, and was, wanted to be hosted, and, but he was envious of Ambarish. And so he waited and waited um, until the time for breaking the codice, I guess it was, passed hmm, before he came to accept the meal. And Ambarish, being a good devotee, there's a certain time period called the Paran to break the codice, technically. So that he, got, he knew what the parn was, and he knew that if Ambarish was a devotee, he would he would observe it. So Ambarish observed the breaking of the fast by drinking water, which is a way to break the fast. And so Durvas came after that and said, because he had some power to know by his yoga, he had some power to know what had happened that Ambarish broke the fast. And so he said, you have insulted me by eating before feeding the guests, which is the etiquette. Hmm? And so, just see, hmm? 
what do you know about Dharma? And people are tooting your horn and so forth and, 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 and so on. So in this way he he um, he I guess he tried to curse Ambarish and suddenly the story is about Krishna's chakra appeared and started chasing Durvas. So Durvas was mystically traveling and trying to avoid the, the wrath of the chakra. And he went to Brahma. Brahma said, hey, don't talk to me. I can't help you with that. He went to Shiva. Shiva said, ah. <laughs> Passed. Yeah. But I'm your devotee. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and so he went into Vaikuntha. Now someone asked, how could Durvas enter into Vaikuntha when he was envious even of a devotee? Jiva Goswami gives a nice example because there are some stories like this where some guy like this makes his way into Vaikuntha. Jiva Goswami says, sometimes a king within the king's palace for entertainment of himself and his constituents will bring a wild animal in. Hmm? Like a tiger. Within parameters. It doesn't really enter in, but he's there. So sometimes... Narayan will let somebody into Baikunta to entertain <laughs> the residents there as to the foolishness of these people, especially the, you know, the, the ones who think they're more spiritual than the devotees, so to speak. So, so there he goes, and he's in Baikunta. And he approaches Narayan, who is the source of the chakra. And he says, Hey, you know, you've got to help me. And, and Narayan says, Sorry, I can't help you either. Hmm? What am I going to do? He says, Well, the only what you've done is you've offended Ambarish, my devotee. And you obviously don't know anything about Dharma because according to the Dharma in this verse, in this place it is said that drinking water to break the ecodicy is both breaking the fast and not breaking the fast at the same time. So you, by that you can observe the Paran and still not have eaten for example, before your guest comes. So he said, you don't even understand Dharma. Mm-hmm. Speak of Gyan or, you know, and you want to be... And so anyway, you've offended Ambarish, my devotee. And, and I guess you don't understand who I am. I have, Narayan says, I have no life outside of my devotees. My entire livelihood, happy emotional life and happiness is derived from my devotees. I don't have any other separate life. Hmm? I'm controlled by praying. And so, you've offended my devotee. You come to me, you have to go above my head. To my devotees, who my life revolves around. They're the center of my life. Sadhanam hridayam mayam, you know? Hmm? The devotees' hearts are my hearts, and my hearts are their hearts, he says. So he tells uh, um, Durvas, if you want to get free from the wrath of my chakra, who's mad at you for offending my devotee, you have to go to the devotee who you offended. It's, it's above, over my head. Hmm? So you go back. So he goes back to Ambarish, who is waiting one year patiently for Devas to come back. Before having the meal. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> completely controlled senses, not angry at all or upset with him. Where have you been? Back then? You should go to my country. <laughs> so the Ross comes back and just like, what is their story? What are these devotees? What is their position? And Durvas looked like an ordinary person. He was a king. He wasn't like a mystic. Ambarish. Excuse me, Ambarish. Like a mystic, uh, you know, uh, wearing only ashes and this overt appearance of spirituality, with mystical powers, and, 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 and curses, and. Okay. You know, and this kind of thing. Hmm? So, therefore, it said, Vaishnavera Kriyama Difficult to understand the Vaishnav, what his or her motives are, because their activities may be similar to ordinary people. Hmm? So, praying, it can look like calm, but it's not. Hmm? It's different in the ways in which I've explained. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ambarish, he did not take any offense. It was Krishna's chakra that took offense. Hmm? Not Ambarish. Ambarish took no offense. Krishna was offended. If you offend my devotee, then my chakra may be, you know, after you. <laughs> the Ambarish was not offended, but Krishna was. And we may not take offense, but if someone offends our guru or another Vaishnav, it is said, the devotee doesn't take offense, but the dust of his feet takes offense. And the dust of the feet of the devotee, the real, the real devotee, are, are those who are devoted to, to him or her. They take offense. So they say, you've made offense like this. We had the experience, it's a very unfortunate experience, after Prabhupada's departure, before he had left, he had advised us that if we wanted advice philosophically, or which means sikhship, we could go to his godbrother, Bhyashridhar Maharaj of Namadvi. And so, what that would turn into, or what not, you know, who could say, but uh, one, of the, one of the last things he, he said, and, and uh, by way of uh, suggesting other, uh, other form of guidance for us, and so, um, devotees, the leading devotees of Prabhupada's mission started going there. But um, some of them, uh, as, a, as, a, as a group, they offended him. Hmm? And we, we have the documentation. We have a little book called, what's it called? Our Affectionate Guardians. Our Affectionate Guardians. Our Affectionate Guardians. It's all the conversations recorded between Sridhar Maharaj and the leading members of this kind, where the Harvard's mission of the governing body and so forth. It's pretty... Um, interesting to read. I mean, it's pretty shocking. And Shudermarsh is, is was obviously it's very obvious he was abused by them. Um, in one point, he said, "Actually, you are you are abusing me. I, I I'm not used to this kind of treatment uh, and this kind of thing." So, 
it's uh, it's an unfortunate history, but it's a history that needed to be recorded, so we made a little, a little book out of it. Um, and some years later, that group, as a, some of them had unfortunately left and so forth, even but what remained as the managing group of the, uh, they, they went to Sridhar Marsh and they formally apologized to him, but they wanted no recording. So we used to record the talks. And I think there was like some, they wanted some clause like that, no recording. And so kind of like off the record, the whole group really wouldn't be publicized quietly. They went into politics and shoot uh, you can't offend me. And so they think, okay, well, great. You know. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. The dust of his feet were pretty pissed off. Not going to be one of those particles. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to apologize, then you have to you have to you have to make a campaign that is as ambitious and widespread as your campaign of vilification was, which was pretty extensive at the time. Hmm. Telling everybody from their seats, you know, he's bad, he's in my body, they can't, he wants to destroy Prabhupada's mission, all these things, and, and so forth. So I say, you have to, with equal magnitude, you have to broadcast it everywhere. Of course, they don't do that. And, and so they, they still suffer from the radiation of the atomic bomb of, of such um, Vaishnava Puran. Hmm. I mean, that's just an unfortunate history. It's not any anything other than just a straight story of what happened. I mean, if you, if you can minimize Vaishnava Aparad in your mind if you like, or you can take it as seriously as the scriptures um, make it out to be. So, yes? Vaishnava Aparad? Yeah. Aparad means offense. Okay. Aradana means worship. The, the name of Radha is derived from that. Aradhana. To worship. So, Aparad means against worship. So, we have, for example, material desires. There are some obstacle to our progress. Those are like sins of the flesh. And then you have Aparad, that's sin of the soul. Because you could cure the, 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 the sins of the flesh with bhakti. But if you go against bhakti, it's like biting the hand that feeds you. So there are different kinds of aparad offenses. You can offend the deity, therefore we have certain procedures, how to talk to the deity, how to communicate, how to make offerings. So those are listed in Rupa Goswami's writings. There, there's... There's, that's called save operat for the deity, or in the kitchen, you know, there are certain ways to do things, and so forth, so on, so on. And then there's, there's nam operat, there's offenses to the name that are mentioned, ten of them. We educate the devotees with the law, so we won't permit them. I'd like to think the name of Krishna and Chan is the same as chanting Ganesh or Allah or something like that. That's a different thing. These are different things. 
Um, so there are Nam Aparad, there's Seva Aparad, there's Vaishnava Aparad. So to defend the Vaishnava, this is an example of that Guru Aparad, which would be, be similar and so forth. And the Vaishnava Aparad, particularly singled out, is like that's the really you don't want to do that. It's the example is given like, like if you had a garden and you let an elephant loose in it, that would be a problem of huge magnitude. Um, so you want to avoid that. And the implication is, well, well, it's obvious, could be wreak havoc. And it, all these things depend on the intention, the knowledge that one has. Um, if you don't have any knowledge, it's harder to make an offense, obviously, if you, have, you know better than you do. Obviously, there's greater implication. You can defend it. It's a parochial you can defend a, a, a contemporary uh, peer. You can offend a, a, a um, less advanced devotee. You can offend a devotee in your mind, with your words, with your actions. So that if you offend a devotee with your actions, and he or she is a superlative devotee, you got the worst of both. Mm-hmm. If you offend in your mind, you can be rectified in your mind. If you realize when I thought I had a finished thought, then you can rectify it. If you offend with your words, then you have to rectify with the words. If you offend with, the, with your actions, then you have to become a disciple. Dedicate all your actions. <laughs> yes? Offenses don't, the material desires don't come from offenses. No, I, I, would, I don't think so. Because you, you have material desires before you ever met Krishna, or before you ever became a devotee. So <laughs> your, your, your material desires don't come from offenses. You have material desires already. Now, if you make offenses, serious offenses, then material desires that are there in a seed form that your bhakti was not allowing to fructify, if you have seeds and you pour water on them, then they won't grow. If you pour too much water on them, they won't grow. So if you get water of bhakti on your seed, seeds of desire, they won't have opportunity to grow. But if you make a fence, your bhakti becomes interrupted then seeds can come out. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's possible. By Aparad, you could say, gives rise to material desires that are, were, you were in the process of extinguishing, but they're there and they're not just ready to go away too quickly. So, yeah. Yeah. I have other question. You were talking about love in the class when he asked about yeah. Brad and Krishna, no? The love is simplicity. Yeah. Simplicity? Yes. 
simplicity, mm -hmm. simplicity, simplicity, and sincere. La pregunta es, el amor es simpleza y, y sinceridad, pero cuando hay carencia, entonces no hay amor. Mi pregunta es, ¿en qué sentido si Maharaj hablaba de carencia? Carencia, ¿qué es eso? ¿Qué es carencia? Carencia. ¿Quién tiene teléfono? Carencia. Carencia es, one example, when, when, one example, when we are kids and we don't have love for mama, we have this, we grow up with carencia. We grow up with this feeling, oh, my mama never loved me. This is carencia. When, when, when you don't have money for food, this, you are carencia of money, you don't have money. Deprived? Deprivation. Deprivation? No. Who has my telephone? Carencia. 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 Yes, I have carencias. Everybody has. This is like when something says loss in, in you, this is one carencia. Carencia. Issue? No, this is not Spanish. This is from Sidar Maharaj, from Sidar Maharaj. Because I don't understand when he say, cuando hay carencias, entonces no hay amor. Because he say, we need to know have carencias, to have love, to Krishna. Sidar Maharaj, in one book. Uh, yeah. Say that. So these are issues prevent you from being able to love. Is that what? Yeah. Lack. 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 Yeah, there's a lack. Yes. 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 Dar. ¿Me entiendes? Eh. Si tienes amor, si puedes dar. ¿Me entiendes? Okay. ¿Mm? Uh -huh. Si no tiene amor, no puede dar. So, en el mundo material no podemos dar porque toda la gente tiene carencias. carencias. <risa> <risa> Pero la carencia es, es, es la... Es la es, 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 es la um, situación de todos los uh, almas en el mundo material Son, ellos faltan ¿hmm? porque ellos tienen identificación con la paqueta paqueta ¿hmm? ¿Hmm? Eh, entonces falta yo, yo, I am giving myself to, si, si tienes una, una ducha, ¿cómo se llama? Una Bird. Inside a cage. Un And you limp out a cage. You don't know. Falcon. Carencia. Tienes. ¿Me entiendes? La, la, la bird. <risa> <risa> so la, el bird está la alma. 
Hmm? Okay? Then the sotras. There's the soul, the self, the atma. Okay. So the atma, the atma, in el mundo material, tiene identificación con los sentidos y los objetos. Objetos? Objetos. Objetos de los sentidos. Y, y todos los almas tienen carencia. Carencia. <laughs> Entonces, en esta posición no pueden dar, no pueden amor. ¿Y cómo sabemos nosotros? Entonces, la solución es escuchar el nombre de Krishna y, y conciencia espiritual entrar la alma y gradualmente la alma is not lacking. Hmm? No tiene carencia. Hmm? No tiene carencia. Puede amar. Hmm? Uh, so, if you're, if you're lacking, if you are empty, then you cannot give. If you are empty, you cannot give. That's true. But Krishna consciousness is to fill you up. Hmm? It's filling up. Therefore, you have to drink from the cup of Krishna consciousness, then you can become a lover, a giver. Hmm? But, but what the, your misunderstanding is, si yo tengo carencia, no puedo amor. Si, verdad, pero también tenemos solución para el problema. Hmm? La problema es, tenemos carencia. <laughs> Now, ¿cómo podemos quitarlo? Hmm? Esa es mi pregunta. Ah, sí, 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 entiendo. Podemos, so, ¿Cómo podemos quitarlo? Lo mismo, solución para quitarlo es, eh, es lo mismo para conseguir premio. Hmm? Porque en el beginning, cuando estamos cantando, ¿qué pasó? ¿Mm? ¿Qué Mahaprabhu dijo? Dije, el primero cosa, cuando está cantando Krishna Sankirtan, what happens? What's the first thing that happens? Cheto Darpana Marjana. So, Cheto Darpana Marjana means Krishna Sankirtan limpia la carencia. <laughs> so, it is solución dos lados. ¿Me entiendes? Primero lado, quitar la carencia. ¿Mm? Y lo mismo tiempo, cuando la carencia está se va. ¿Mm? Poco a poco amor viene adentro también, lo mismo tiempo. ¿Mm? Y gradualmente la, la carencia es, es, es terminada. ¿Mm? Y estamos viviendo con amor. ¿Mm? Pero la solución no es separar otra cosa de bhakti. ¿Mm? 
Bhakti es la solución. Sí, Bhakti está amor. Sí, verdad. Y con carencia no puedes, tenemos amor. Pero Bhakti tiene la fuerza también para quitar la carencia. No necesitamos otro proceso, ¿entiendes? No. Bhakti está muy, muy fuerte, muy completamente. Bhakti conoce, ella quiere amor. Ahí dice, to be a lover. Ser un amante. Ser una amante. Amante. No, amante. Krishna conoce, Bhakti conoce. Pero eso, Bhakti está, tiene conciencia. So, ella conoce, mm, ok. Ella quiere, quiere amor, pero para amor, primero necesito limpiar la corazón. Por ejemplo, otro ejemplo. Si yo quiero hacer una casa, okay, yo quiero hacer una casa. So, usted está un arquitecto y contratista. Con, con, Contratista. Contratista. So, usted dame los plan, plan, planos. Planos. Muy bien. ¿Cómo alto? Oh, muy alto la casa. Muy alto. Ah, bien. Me gusta mucho. Me gusta mucho. ¿Puedes hacerlo? Sí, ¿cómo no? Usted dice, ¿cómo no? Sí. sí, seguro. Claro. Entonces... Yo digo, ok, bien, tiene esa plata para usted, venga a hacer la casa. ¿Mm? Y unas veces cuando está haciendo, yo voy a visitar, visitar, cómo le va, cómo le va. ¿Mm? So, después de un mes, usted esperando, y está dreaming, soñando. ¿Mm? soñando. Estoy soñando, mi casa muy alto, muy bonito. Yo quiero visitar qué pasó allá. ¿Sí? Y, y pero cuando yo when I arrive, cuando llegué es siempre una, una, un hueco, simplemente un hueco. Es otra dirección. Yo quiero que haz casa allá. Pero la there's only a hole in the ground. Nada más. ¿Qué pasó? Yo pagué mucho para la casa. I paid a lot for the house. It was supposed to be very tall. Hmm? And I come and visit to see how the work's going. There's only a hole in the ground. It's going on. Opuesto. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Me entiendes? No, ¿qué pasó? So like, so like, con, con, Contractor, contratista dijo, oye, el problema es carencia. No puedes hacer caso muy alto, porque primero problema, necesitamos limpiarlo, limpiar, ¿me entiendes? Para fundación. Las fundaciones para amor es limpiarlo, limpiarlo, limpiarlo. ¿Me entienden? ¿Mm? Bhakti, los dos, ¿me entienden? 
Pero primero, only looking one way. Okay? Si gobernan,